Hello! Maria, a little more subdued. Hello. Very good. This is Annika in Columbia. And Maria in Happy Valley. And we are here to talk about Bellingham, the city of subdued whatever we decide to talk about. We want to get to know you at Bellingham. Both the well-known and not so well-known. We are joined as always by our quarantine co-hosts, Ferrito and Romy. Annika, has Romy been up to anything interesting this past week? So Romy, obviously over the past few months, has not had very many of his dog friends over to our house. Mm-hmm. And we had a friend bring their dog over this week, which was a first in a very long time. And Romy was pissed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were just in the backyard and we thought, oh, we'll introduce them outside. But he just, I think he's gotten really territorial. Mm-hmm. And this dog is probably 60 pounds and Romy is 22. And Romy saw him and then came running at him with full force and like jumped him to try and bite him. Uh-oh. Yeah. This was a dog he had also never met before. So like there's been other dogs that we've met someplace else and then they come over and he's fine with it. But I think he just thought it was like this dog was an intruder. Yeah. And yeah, he tried to bite him. But luckily, uh, this dog, the big dog, was like so chill and just kind of like ran away. Aww. But we ended up going on a hike with the other dog and Romy. And then we went to get lunch with Romy and the other dog, and they were fine after that. But the initial meeting was not fun. Aww. Poor Romy. So I, I talked to our listeners last week about burritos, Elizabethan clown collar. How it was supposed to help him not kill the birds. Oh, no. Um, I guess all the studies online were fake because I did not really see a difference in the amount of birds that were brought home. Oh, no. So I'm going to, if anybody has any other solutions, if there was like a, some sort of sonar, horrible buzzing thing that only birds can hear that you can attach to cats' collars or, I don't know, anything because it's sad. I don't like it that he kills birds, but he's a, you know, when we rescued him from the shelter, he, he was already outside cat. And so every day he would just paw at the door and cry. He, he's miserable if he's kept inside. So I don't know. We're, we're just going to think up some other solutions, but he did, um, he did climb the other day up our balcony onto our upstairs neighbor's balcony and it's these <laughs> and I could hear him crying and I'm like, Burrito, where are you? And I could hear him and I, I just hear from upstairs, Oh, uh, are you looking for your cat? Like <laughs> Yes, is he up there? <laughs> and he had been hanging out with these two cute girls, totally living it up on their balcony. <laughs> and now that they're they've been nice to him, I know that he's gonna like go up there more often and get stuck because They're not going to be home all the time. But if, you know, if you find a random cat on your second or third floor balcony, um, you know, just be kind to it. Let it out your front door. Yeah. He doesn't doesn't know that he can't get back down until he's up there. Yeah. (laughs) So how many birds has uh, Burrito brought back to you? And where does he leave them? He brings them to the the porch. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he knows that we don't like them inside because we usually leave the back door open for him. And he hasn't darted inside with one in a long time. He, like, waits at the entryway. But, yeah. Like, the last one, I don't know what kind of bird it was. It had, like, a really long, pointy beak. It's kind of big. It was, like, still flapping around. And so when he saw us and we just, like, closed the sliding door, he got upset and brought it to the side of the building where he could, you know, play his murder games. 
<laughs> his favorite. Cats are evil, evil creatures. Yeah. I think they're they're programmed to be kind of bad, and we sort of think they're cute, but I think really cats are inherently maybe kind of evil. Maybe the most evil of all animals. <laughs> like, I think maybe if they were, I don't know, maybe double the size, they like, might be able to kill us. Like mountain lions? Not even like mountain lions. Just I'm just thinking like extra large house cats. Yeah, and they would enjoy it too. Yeah, but like they know that it would be very hard to do and you're also the supplier of so many other things that benefit them Mm -hmm. that they don't kill you. Yeah. But yeah. Bruto got to eat a little bit of salmon that I made and he was pretty into that. (laughs) So maybe as long as I'm providing the trees, he won't like try to kill me in my sleep. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So Maria, what is the hot goss in Bellingham this week? Well, since you asked, Annika, you know, we've been having these protests and the rallies and a bunch of, you know, uh, demonstrations of support for black people and against police brutality all over the city, um, just like there has been all over the country and several countries around the world. Unfortunately, though, this has been met with, with some retaliation from scary people in cars, people, you know, just like standing around with guns for no reason flyers with incendiary remarks on them like all over town you know when i don't know if it's like a proud boy thing that's who kind of starts shit in like portland where my parents live or some sort of other group of people white dudes i i know like there's like a pretty long history of like the kkk hanging out in linden yeah yeah and so i just you gotta be careful because that's that shit's like actually terrifying to me yeah and i'm a white lady no exactly <laughs> as far as groups that have had a, a history of terrorism mm-hmm. i think a lot of the white supremacist groups at least domestic terrorism mm-hmm. yeah something that we should be concerned with yeah and i think as, as far as like the posters and stuff you can pull them down although i did hear that like there could be like razors underneath them although that has not been confirmed or like put other stickers on them put stuff on top if there's people like standing around i would just like not interact with them mm-hmm. at all like stay very very far away and do not engage um oh this is slightly unrelated yeah. but it kind of reminded me of this so in my neighborhood there is a house that has like donald trump campaign signs all over it uh-huh and people have been stealing stealing the signs and it's like getting next level petty because like so there was just one sign up somebody stole it and so this house has plastered donald trump signs all over it oh it's so tacky like it's the, it's their freedom of speech i'm not saying that yeah. you should steal people's property or vandalize it because you know they have the right to put whatever shit they want in their front yard i suppose but like that's tacky as fuck so they did that. Another sign got stolen. They put out a sign that said for every sign stolen, they're going to donate $100 to the Donald Trump campaign. I mean, there's no proof that they're doing it. Are they like posting the receipts? Because that would be like... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The owner of this house, they also um, set up a camera. So they've got a picture of one of the people that stole their sign. And they posted that person's picture all over the side of their house as well. Oh, I mean, I guess like... Okay, we're supposed to be wearing masks for a lot of reasons. <laughs> Just going to put that out there. <laughs> not, there you go. Not not saying anything one way or the other. But like if you're going to if you're going to partake in some civil disobedience, although I don't condone it being against your neighbors, 
who may or may not have any like real direct power in the system besides being presumably white landowners and voters <laughs> it's not exactly sticking it to the man just to piss off your neighbors i don't know i agree yeah but you know just be aware of coronavirus and make sure your mask is on so you don't <laughs> no get matter infected. what yeah no matter what um yeah so just be careful like because i know there's not for me because i'm a chicken but i have seen like you know uh there used to there's all those fire and brimstone people that you like used to hang out in red square they probably still do or like mm-hmm. on the corner of downtown farmer's market and you know you just see like the people like get up in their faces and they argue and it's just like i don't know i don't think you're you're ever like those people are out there and their mind is you know not going to be changed by like they're fully expecting people to come and yell at them and while uh the, the gays go to help people probably aren't gonna do anything to you out in broad daylight at the farmer's market like some of these like nazi shits might actually yeah be very dangerous so i would just say stay away and yeah and just be careful out on the roads and in large groups keep your eyes out for cars there's been lots of reports of people in cars doing bad things so like what well like well one like people have just been driving kind of bad because of coronavirus anyway i don't know if you noticed maybe it's not because of coronavirus but I, well it might be because they're they haven't they're a little out of practice yeah but i don't know i've heard reports of like people in cars like being intimidating and then just like people with certain kinds of bumper stickers and things like not like driving into crowds of people like we're not at that level but yeah yet uh, which is why i'm telling people to look out you never know people get a couple drinks get fired up about something and all of a sudden yeah, yeah. so just watch Scary. out but you know i've i've gotten to go out and enjoy the town the last couple of weeks and it was really nice sitting out we went to black sheep and got did some too. drinks and some tacos i know it was very enjoyable we were gonna go out this weekend you and me but friday a bunch of places closed down for to be in solidarity with i think seattle started it uh mm-hmm. like a, a statewide strike to accomplish i'm not exactly sure actually yeah it, i think the intention was really good i don't know if a bunch of people being out of work one day after like a bunch of people had already been out of work for three months was really like i, I don't know i don't know exactly what it accomplished i hope that it accomplished something like, I'm just, like, not very educated about this particular segment of the movement. So if somebody wants to explain to me what that did and what the purpose of it was, that's awesome. I'm totally happy to listen. It was an effort to express the changes they want to see, including deeming racism a public health crisis, defunding the police, and reforming the justice system. And this businesses being closed was supposed to be, like, like a because Washington state is taxed by sales tax so much so that it would have an impact on their revenue. So, well, yeah, I will, you know, in a couple of weeks, maybe we'll see the numbers on that. Yeah. That'll be interesting. And I mean, you know, it was kind of brave, I guess, of businesses to, I mean, not brave, but like, it was a gesture. Yeah. And you know, I think, I think Definitely because they had just, a lot of them had just reopened yes. to close for a day. I think that is a pretty significant and meaningful gesture. And uh, thank you for looking that up. Lazy Fingers over here was just like, oh, no, I, 
I heard, I saw this all over Instagram, and here's my opinion without Googling it, blah, blah, blah. So I am society's cancer. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> Not at all. Um, on, a, on a kind of more unfortunate note, the Village Inn uh, is closing, I have heard. What? I know. So, um, Annika, do you want to share a memory of the Village Inn? Do you have one? Oh. I think the only one I have is, like, we did karaoke, I think. Yeah, I remember playing pool a couple times there, doing karaoke, or watching people do karaoke. For a while, that was one of our friend's places that he would go after work with his work buddies, and so sometimes we would meet him there. But it's a little bit out of the way from where we usually kind of hang out. But as far as it being a good dive and a cheap place to get a beer or something, it's all right, so... Yeah. I'm sorry for all those people up on Northwest. First, Hops and Heads had to go, and now the Village Inn. That sucks. I hope you get some new spots soon. I'll keep yeah. my eye out and definitely come visit. I agree, because there, there needs to be a few more good spots up there. Absolutely. All right, so um, should we head on over to our interview today? It's- yeah, let's do it. Today, our guest is Daniel Marshall. Daniel wears many hats in our community. He is on the board of directors at the Bellingham Makerspace. He is also an organizer for Bellingham Bitcoin and cryptocurrency meetups. The, bleh, the, the Bellingham Bitcoin and cryptocurrency meetup group. Wow, that is a lot yeah. easier to type. Than um, he is involved in various other Bellingham organizations, such as the Technology Alliance Group Northwest, RealMax, and Augmented Reality. Am I forgetting any? Oh wow! Um, no, that's that sounds yeah, that sounds probably about right. Oh uh, yeah, I should probably shout out my friend's uh, company that he just started, Terrine Web Solutions. I, I've done some stuff for him too, and I and I know him, so he, and he does like you know web design and that kind of stuff. So yeah, awesome. lots of lots of local connections. So how are you doing, Dan? And what are you drinking? Oh my goodness. Well, I'll I'll answer the drinking question first, just be, and it's super lame, but I'm drinking water. Um, I'm on a diet, <laughs> so uh, I've been drinking like water and diet wild cherry pepsi lately that's like my like treat to myself but uh i used to drink a bunch of coffee so let's let's act like i'm cool i'd be like oh, i'm drinking cold brew because ah. like three months ago that would have been my answer but these days it's mostly water even in the mornings which is makes for some rough mornings but as far as how i'm doing well i quit drinking coffee like two months ago so you know you can <laughs> no honestly i'm doing i'm doing great i have very few complaints given the state of the world at large uh we, we live up in ferndale so we're you know right outside of bellingham and even i mean bellingham itself is is so unaffected by kind of what's happening even i mean not just talking about the protests and and george floyd and all that stuff but i mean even before that with COVID, i feel like we were relatively untouched right i mean comparatively look at like seattle or or you know goodness like new york across the country mm-hmm. um you know all things considered i can't complain i'm doing okay i have a, a job and my wife has a job and we both remain healthy even though she's still going into her job i work remote she's been exposed to people every day five days a week going into the office for the last you know several months and anyway uh long, long answer but short short version is um i'm great and the world is uh falling apart and i'm like that meme where where it's like the fire and the guy's like this is fine <laughs> dog yeah yep exactly how are you two um you know 
managing. Um, I've got a Tatayama Japanese logger from Aslan keeping me company. Annika, what about you? I am also doing okay. The, the days have all been blending together, and yeah, I'm very much so ready for the school year to be over, but I am drinking the Stemma Shelter and Haze, and I'm also drinking water, so there you go. Ooh, H2O represent. Yes. <laughs> I had some water earlier. Oh, nice. <laughs> Good job, Maria. <laughs> this, is, this is the part where we should mention that doctors recommend eight glasses of water per day at minimum. All right, six to go. <laughs> I can do it before midnight. <laughs> oh, no, Maria. I know, I've been bad. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I'm pretty sure there's water in beer. It counts yeah. for at least like half of a of a glass. So that's that's science right there. <laughs> science. You've heard it here, folks. You know, I hate to correct you, Annika. And I know my email address was probably a little confusing, but my name is actually Danger uh, Marshall. But you can call me Dan. Uh, oh. but my legal my legal name is Danger. My email address is kind of old. Um, I legally changed my name in uh, 2015, uh, uh-huh. and so yeah, Danger is my middle name. Okay. Wait, is Danger Danger's your middle name or your first yeah. name? Nope, Danger is my middle name. My first name is No One. So I changed my name in 2015. Uh, I'll, I'll give you like the condensed version, right? Yeah, my... tell us the story for the, for the listeners. It's not really Bellingham related. I lived in Portland when I did it, but this is like, it's Bellingham-ish. It's, it's something that people in Bellingham would do. I'm sure plenty of people here have changed their name to something bizarre. And so I was living in Portland at the time. The short version is my wife and I were talking about politics one night. This was before, of course, yeah, our current president <laughs> threw his his toupee in the ring um mm-hmm. and, and so uh we were talking about at the time it was the conventional wisdom that it would be you know clinton versus jeb bush and we were talking about just how sort of lackluster that was and i was like you know i'd rather vote for no one and or my wife actually said that i think that you know oh, i'd rather vote for no one and i kind of chuckled about it and i had joked my whole life about changing my name my first name used to be charles and i always went by dan you know daniel when i was a kid and then dan as i got older and then i actually did it and i ran as a write-in candidate for president in 2016 i think like you know dozens of people voted for me but really in spirit uh, a lot of people voted for me right because the whole idea of my campaign was like vote for no one um you know no one will represent you in washington was my was my main campaign slogan uh, you know obviously a lot of people voted for hillary clinton given the given the choice and i didn't even really like push it at that point as it got closer to the election i was like not really encouraging people to vote for me because yeah it felt <sighs> <laughs> yeah and and so uh i i'm pretty sure a few of my more like anarchist minded friends though wrote me in i know for a fact one did because he sent me a picture but they don't even typically vote. And so I feel, you know, sort of proud in a way that I got them to vote, even though it wasn't really like for real. I mean, they wrote me in, but I'm pretty sure they voted for like some down ballot candidates. So uh, we'll call it a, a net positive, I guess, in the end. Anyway, long story short, I decided I was going to change my name for that. And then I thought I would change it back, but I never did. And so now I just have a weird, funny name, but I still go by Dan in my day to day life. And so everything, you know, with my job and all that is unaffected. I have a weird story to tell now. Right. So Dan is fine for us. Yeah, Dan is fine. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I mean, if you want to call me Danger, you can. I do have some friends that, that really love it. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I definitely have some fun with it. You guys can call me whatever you want, but only my mom is allowed to call me Daniel anymore. So that is my that is my one rule. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, thank you for letting us know. We, we like to address people how they like to be addressed. <laughs> yes. 
Absolutely. So we would like to hear your Bellingham story. And this is something amusing that concerns a person, place, or thing that other locals would recognize. Absolutely. So I have a couple, actually. I'm going to do like just quick ones. And so I'm going to start with a personal one, though. And it's when I first heard of Bellingham. So I met my now wife when I lived in Portland. Uh, she lived in Newport, Oregon at the time. And when we first started dating, when we, you know, were going through that, like, getting to know you phase or whatever, we were talking about where the other had grown up. I'm originally from Ohio, so I kind of told her my whole backstory about how I um, moved out here in 2011 to the West Coast. And then uh, she's like, I grew up about an hour and a half north of Seattle. And I was like, oh, cool. So you grew up in Canada? <laughs> but uh, she got a good chuckle out of that. She's like, no, no, you know, there is still some America up there. And uh, I grew up near a town called Bellingham. But yeah, so she grew up here. And, and so that's my first introduction to Bellingham was, you know, like a bit of a geography lesson, because right after that, I pulled it up on Google Maps. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, totally. There is like more America north of Seattle than, than I realized. And so uh, probably a good story that I think uh, that most Bellinghamsters would would know. Gosh, I, I wish I could remember his name. I'm like really bad with names. But it was before we moved up here. So it was maybe like five years ago, my wife graduated from Mount Baker High School, and they were having their reunion at you know, one of the breweries. And so they have this nice like outdoor seating area. And we're out there and I'm a they asked me if I would take photos. It's sort of like, semi-official photographer they didn't pay me or anything but I'm a big photography nerd and anyway so they said hey would you take photos I said sure and so I did and so I'm there and I'm taking photos and I uh went out for a, a break just to get some air and I'm out front and I see this giant I don't even know what to call it I guess like a canopy van parked in front of the place and there's a guy out there I think I want to say he's like smoking a cigarette or something and he's got these giant malamutes in the back of his car yeah, the Malamute guy. He's also jet ski guy, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So like, yeah, so that was my first. And, and I mean, I didn't know it at the time, right? Because again, I had, <laughs> this is like a year after just finding out that Bellingham mm -hmm. even existed at this point. And so I had no idea at the point that he was a bit of a, of a local icon, if you will. Mm -hmm. But uh, I love dogs. And so like, I'm, I'm that guy that if I'm out for a walk, uh, I'm going to stop and pet a dog or a cat. In fact, that's probably, I mean, I don't mean to sound callous because I know a lot of people are struggling with kind of uh, coronavirus and all that with, with what's happening in the world. But for me, the most difficult part of coronavirus has been like taking walks around my neighborhood and not being able to like, you know, pet someone's dog when I come across them because, you know, you got to stay socially distant, right? I get it. Yeah, that was my first sort of encounter with um, with a Bellingham icon before I even knew that there were like Bellingham icons. And so uh, I've since, you know, realized how lucky I was to get to pet the, uh, <laughs> the Malamutes. They are very so. sweet dogs. Oh, so fluffy. Yeah. Well, thank you. So tell us a little bit about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin in Bellingham. Like, I, I'll be honest, I, I didn't know. I mean, I think Maria might know a little bit more about cryptocurrency than I do. But like, I didn't know there was a group in Bellingham. Oh, there's a group. We're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enlighten us because we want to know. Like, I, I, I oh, understand man. a little bit about cryptocurrency, but I, I don't understand anything about people that meet up and discuss cryptocurrency, trade cryptocurrency, mine cryptocurrency. What is your purpose? Yeah, totally. So first of all, I could talk about this for hours and I will just start by saying, if you couldn't tell by our first 15 minutes, <laughs> I can ramble. And so feel free to just interrupt me and be like, Dan, shut up. And, and just, yeah, I will not, I will not take offense. I am like 
I try and be like really chill and yeah, I, I don't have much of an ego, so I won't, uh, my pride won't be hurt. Uh, first of all, I call it the Bellingham Bitcoin group because man, as you noticed, what a mouthful, like Bellingham Bitcoin and cryptocurrency meetup group is our full name, which uh, I guess shout out, you can check us out at uh, meetup.com forward slash Bellingham Bitcoin. And so that's, it, it is just that, I don't know how familiar you are with the meetup platform, but it's just a group of people that, you know, you just find people that have shared interests. And so I'm going to talk about, I guess, Bitcoin, because I, I'm not much of a, you know, cryptocurrency is a broad umbrella. And there are like two to 5,000 different uh, sort of cryptocurrencies out there at this point. Bitcoin, though, was the first successful one, we'll say, the first that really sort of solved some of the problems that had plagued previous attempts. So I'll focus on that one. Bitcoin is a is a peer-to-peer uh, decentralized way to send money over the Internet or other networks, even. You can do it through like radio waves or from satellites. And so it's a way to allow people access to a form of, of a modern mm-hmm. financial system um, while sort of sidestepping maybe some of the uh, uh, banking uh, issues, right? Like, I mean, really to put it simply, and I might be letting some of my own maybe personal politics shine through when I say this, but um, in my experience, almost nobody likes bankers or politicians, pretty much like bankers and politicians are the only ones that like bankers and politicians. (laughs) But yet we all use money that is sort of, I mean, I hate to call it a monopoly money, but I don't know how much you follow recent news. I mean, we've added, we've printed, and I'm putting that in air quotes, I mean, because it's all digital now anyway, with the US dollar, 90% of it anyway. Um, We've printed something like $3 trillion over the last few months. And I don't think we've seen the effects of it yet, but I mean, that's like a 60% increase, by the way, in the total number of dollars that exist. And so I feel like that, you know, there's probably going to come a time where we're going to feel the effects of that. And usually the effects of that are felt through inflation. And I'm not an economist, you know, I'm not a, uh, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but I feel like that um, at that point, people will be more interested in scarce assets, which is sort of one of the key aspects of Bitcoin. It is actually the first digitally scarce object uh, that exists. It's the, the creator of Bitcoin solved what is known as the double spend problem, which is an issue that had plagued previous mm-hmm. attempts at digital currencies. Because if you have something digital, you can just copy it and then mm-hmm. you know it's not scarce. Bitcoin solved this issue in a way that it is verifiable that you know the Bitcoin that I say I own, it can't be copied, nobody can take it from me. Um, and those are really powerful things, right? And so I think people will be more interested in that as, as we start to see the crunch, so to speak, of uh, adding all these extra dollars that, you know, most of them didn't even go to us, by the way. I mean, not to, again, not to get political, mm-hmm. but it all went to like banks and, you know, big companies. And I mean, yeah, I'm sure you heard in the news, it was like these big companies even that filed for the small business loans that small businesses were supposed to get. I mean, it's all so clearly like rigged against the little guy. Um, Bitcoin is the first system. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not that it favors the little guy. Bitcoin doesn't favor anybody. And that's sort of the whole point. It is an agnostic network that forces all participants to abide by the same rules. And if you follow our sort of legacy financial system at all, you'll realize what a huge deal that is, that everybody has to follow the same rules. <laughs> and so anyway, sorry, I'll get off my soapbox now. But that's my, that's my sort of like, you know, I, I guess uh, four minute 
Bitcoin pitch about uh -huh. why Bitcoin is cool. And so there are actually um, quite a few of us in Bellingham that think it's pretty rad. And so we meet up about uh, twice a month. So I sort of fell into organizing this group. I was actually a member of the meetup group and I had attended exactly zero meetings. It was one of those like, oh, I should do this and then never did kind of thing. But it happened to be in my email one day when the previous organizers sent out an email saying, hey, due to some life circumstances, I can no longer organize this meetup group. Is there anybody that would be interested? And that was a little over a year ago. And I saw it right when he sent it. And so I replied within minutes saying, I'll do it. <laughs> uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I've never actually organized a group quite like that. I've done like some volunteer organizing at, uh, at various roles in the past, like uh, with the Makerspace. And I volunteered at uh, Free Geek down in Portland, that kind of thing. But uh, had really little idea of what I was doing. And so when I started organizing it a year ago, we met once a month and it was on a Monday night. And so I started kind of engaging with our members because we have like over a hundred members. But then at the time, our meetup group, it was like only like one person would show up. And I'm like, what's the disconnect, right? Like, and, and I mean, it's sort of funny because I mean, that was, that was me before, right? Like until I started organizing the group, I was one of those members that just, I was a member, but never showed up. And so I started trying to reach out to the members, asking them what kind of things they wanted to, to do or talk about, or like, you know, why weren't they coming to meetings? What would make them come to a meeting? And one of the feedback items that I got was that meeting in a conference room on a Monday night isn't, you know, cool. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm a dork, I guess. So like for me, um, uh, meeting in a boardroom on a Monday night to talk about Bitcoin <laughs> is cool, but like I could see, I guess, maybe how like other people might disagree. Uh, so we started doing a, a social meetup. And so now we have a second meetup. It's uh, like usually the third Saturday of every month where we, uh, well, we did one meetup where we met together in a in a bar and then COVID happened. And so since then we've been uh, meeting on Zoom and it's, you know, uh, BYOB. But to answer your question, we get together and just talk about talk about Bitcoin, talk about like what's what's going on in the world of Bitcoin. There are quite a few, <clears throat> we shall say, interesting characters that are involved in this space. So we usually sort of laugh about some of the antics. You know, that's the thing is, I mean, it's open to everybody, right? Like anybody can participate in Bitcoin. So there's a bunch of weirdos in it. That's fair. <laughs> So one of the the memes on our Bellingham is that there's been this missing drive, treasure? The, the treasure. Did you ever go looking for it? Because isn't that supposed to have some Bitcoin on it? I did go looking for it. <laughs> I, I actually I actually emailed with the mother of the person who lost it. She sent me a map of where they thought it might be. Uh, my intent, if I found it, just just to be clear, those devices are designed in such a way that if somebody did find it and they tried to get into it, if you don't have the right access code, it's going to lock you out. And the Trezor, if, if, if I'm thinking of the right hardware wallet, because there are a few different types out there. But the Trezor in particular, I think, uses a method where for each wrong attempt, it actually extends the amount of time where you have to wait to try again, eventually extending it so far that it will be like beyond someone's lifetime. So if somebody did find it and they were trying to get in there, um, all, all they're going to do is frustrate themselves, really, if, if it was set up well. But anyway, so I, I I know how devastating that could be to somebody, especially if you're a younger person. It's my understanding that it was her younger son who's like, you know, early 20s. 
especially if you believe that Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies are going to, you know, grow in the future in value. I mean, because you sort of start to think of it in mm -hmm. like the future value terms. Right. And so mm -hmm. that that's got to be like really heartbreaking to somebody so young to lose that kind of money. So I, I tried to find it. I did go go out a couple of times trying to track it down in the hopes that I could be like the hero that sent it back to them. But <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> yeah, I were It's probably in a landfill somewhere. <laughs> I, I still don't oh. know what either of you are talking about. Oh, okay. So, Annika, nice. a little bit of an explanatory comma. A long time ago, maybe it wasn't that long, but it feels long <laughs> to me in internet years, somebody in Bellingham was walking around with, we'll say it's like a, a more protected version of like a USB drive yeah. that had all their money on it in like Bitcoin. And they lost it one night when they were out having fun. And so for all the time since, there's been like a hidden treasure in Bellingham, which is the treasure. And sometimes people post to see if anybody's found it. And it's just something that if you've been hanging out on the Bellingham subreddit for a while, you've okay. seen it before. I feel like it maybe, <laughs> maybe it will appear in uh, the old space that Glow used to exist in. I feel like if it's gonna make a make a resurface anywhere, ah. it's gonna be in the place that keeps resurfacing. <laughs> <laughs> so you were on the board of directors of Makerspace. Yeah, uh, for about a about a year and a half now. Gosh, I don't know time. So <laughs> yeah, 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 no worries. Um, what what got you involved with the Makerspace? You know, it's weird moving somewhere. Um, I, I work in IT and like I work remotely. And so, and I've been doing that since before we moved up here. And I had never moved though while working remotely. And so that, what a weird experience that is like moving somewhere new while working remotely. Because in the past, like when I moved to Portland, my first jobs there weren't remote. And so it was a great way to meet people, especially coming from Ohio. I didn't know barely anybody except for a, hand, a handful of people that I knew that had moved out that way. And so, uh, you know, you start a job and you meet people and then you maybe like go to another job and you meet people and like keep in touch with the people from the first one that you thought were cool. And by the time I left Portland after living there for six years, I had a ton of friends still still do down there because, you know, I talked to everybody. And so like moving up here, though, it was weird because I'm working remote and my wife grew up here. And so everybody I met when I first moved here, every single one of them were Brooke's friends and her friends are cool. I have several of them that I consider friends now. But it's still, it's kind of weird to, you know, you start, you start to feel like you don't like have your own identity almost. And so getting involved with the makerspace really just started as a, uh, a desire to just get out of the house and start to make, <laughs> start to make social connections that were outside of my wife's friend circle. I started by volunteering there and I would do, uh, you know, a few different things, but mainly I did like event volunteering for them where, you know, like a Linux Fest, for instance, at uh, Bellingham Technical College, they'll have a table there. Uh, you know, when, when it happens, you go there and work at the table for like five or six hours and just talk to people about the makerspace as they come by. Oh, cool. You like 3D printing? So do I, you know, that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Did that for a while, helped out Mary, the director with a few things. I, I was like helping with their website uh, at one point, trying to get that back up and running and switched over to a new domain. And I think finally I had just done you know, a few things and it'd been kind of helpful. And I, I mean, that's what I do, right? Like I try and if I appreciate an organization or like if I'm volunteering somewhere, I just try and find areas where I can help. They had a need for additional board members. I think, uh, you know, I, I don't really know all the details, but there's like a certain number that you have to have in order to hit the quorum 
Um, and so they needed extra board members and they said, hey, we should ask this guy, Dan, to join us. And so I was honored to do so. And now I get to help, you know, set the direction of the organization and help with fundraising and get class schedules set. And we just moved to the mall. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that or, or maybe saw it. I did not know it. that. Yeah, you know, kind of a crummy time to move. <laughs> but we... Yeah, we moved in and then like, um, you know, less than a month later, stuff started getting locked down. So we haven't really been able to open since we've been in the space, but we have a huge, like ridiculously large space right next to uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. So yeah, come check us out. It'll be really cool. We'll have like 3D printers set up so that people can can watch stuff, print. We're also trying to partner with some some local organizations like uh, like RealMax, I think is, is, we're hoping we'll have some kind of display in there so that, I don't know if you guys have ever tried out augmented reality or if you even know about RealMax, our sort of local high-tech connection. But we have a company here in Bellingham that makes like augmented reality goggles which I don't know if you guys, uh-huh. you guys know what AR is versus VR? Is AR is more like Pokemon Go, where VR is where you have like your Oculus on. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to think about it. Uh, so, but like there are VR goggles that cover your eyes, there are companies that are working on AR goggles that you wear, but you can still see the outside world. Like the Microsoft HoloLens, for instance, is one that you've maybe heard of because I know they've gotten a ton of press. RealMax, though, is a, is a local company that, you know, they don't quite have the marketing budget of, of Microsoft for the HoloLens, but they have a really cool device that uh, it, it looks super futuristic. I mean, it's basically just goggles that you put on over your head. They're not nearly as big as VR. They look more like, like sports goggles, uh, but it overlays stuff on the world around you. And so you can have like... Uh, you know, like floating screens or like the killer app that I'm waiting for, because I'm really bad with names, I would I would totally pay up to I don't even know. I mean, I'd pay up to like, a, I don't know, a thousand bucks for goggles that I could put on that just after I meet somebody, every time I see them again, it just like pops their name up over their head. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, Very helpful. Yeah. So there's actually a lot of cool stuff happening in Bellingham tech-wise that I don't think a lot of people know about. It's sort of underrated, right? But we've got, you know, a couple of colleges here that that have really strong tech and and like uh, Western Washington's industrial design program is considered world class. I just don't think there's enough exposure for that kind of stuff for what's happening around here. And so hopefully our goal, if we can get, you know, reopen and get through this COVID-19 stuff, the goal of the makerspace is to really celebrate and to help highlight those sorts of organizations that are doing cool stuff here in the area because there really are quite a few. So, Very cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So if somebody goes into the makerspace, what can they expect or what can they get out of it? Like what's what's your kind of user base? Yeah, absolutely. So it's sort of diverse, right? There's a little bit for everybody. And and again, some of this stuff is still in the process of getting set up, but we have a pretty comprehensive wood shop. Uh, we have a CNC. We have a very large laser cutter. I don't remember what the exact measurements are of the laser cutter, but it's large enough that you can can do some pretty serious work with it. It's like a $50,000 laser cutter originally, I think. So it's a pretty... Uh, you know, serious piece of equipment. We also have uh, like a, a, a t-shirt press uh, and a fabric workstation. So if you're into like cosplay, for instance, we have several members that come in to work on their um, designs for costumes. Uh, we have a bunch of 3D printers, like 
honestly, of all the makerspaces that I've ever been to, it's pretty impressive how many 3D printers we have because I've been to makerspaces in larger cities, like the makerspace that I was a member of in, when I lived in Portland um, only had like three 3D printers. And that was in a you know major metropolitan area. And Bellingham is is a fraction of the size. And we have, I don't even know, like 10 plus or something. It's, if you count all the, the smaller ones even more. So like, it's pretty impressive just the, the amount of equipment that Mary has been able to collect over the years. And now that we have more space, we're hoping to grow that even more. And so now we'll have a dedicated uh, classroom. And so we're hoping to offer classes and we wanna offer classes. Like right now, one of the things the Makerspace has been focused on during the COVID-19 pandemic has been masks and other PPE. And so we've been, mm -hmm. uh, you know, making what we can, like we've been making, uh, we came up with a design for a Tyvek gown that you can make from a single sheet of Tyvek that helps to protect the wearer basically head to toe. Um, if, if you include a face shield. And so we've been working on making face shields out of acrylic cutouts uh, combined with 3D printed parts to help bend the, uh, the plastic and help it uh, mold to someone's forehead. Um, and then we've also helped to coordinate with other local organizations, uh, help to coordinate the delivery of uh, N95 masks when we could get them, and then also uh, handmade cloth masks. And we've also helped to provide like 3D printing uh, files so that other folks that want to print 3D parts for like face shields and things like that can do so uh, where they can then bring them into the makerspace and we'll sanitize them and put them to use. Um, really, so we've we've been pretty busy actually. My my wife, in fact, works for a food manufacturing company here in Ferndale, so they're considered you know an essential service at this point. And they were uh, they were facing an issue. I mean, basically, they were going to have to temporarily close while they installed barriers so that their employees would would not be like breathing on each other basically um, while they while they make the food or process the food. And so I, I uh, gave Mary a call and said, hey, you know, is there any way we could get some face shields? And the makerspace was able to provide them with like two dozen face shields to give to their workers so that, the, you know, because I, apparently that counts as a, as a barrier for breath. And so uh, they were able to not have to shut down or anything. And, and I know that there have been other organizations like that. So it's really cool that we've been able to use our resources to help during all of this and help keep businesses running, help keep, you know, people that are that do have to go out and do things, make sure that they have the appropriate gear to help flatten the curve. Very cool. So usually my next line of questions are kind of COVID-19 related. How is it impacting your, your life and your work? But you you work remotely, so it still might be impacting your life and work, but I, I think I think what's also kind of interesting about this conversation that we're having is that some of the reasons why our, our economy isn't totally falling apart into little tiny pieces right now is because of technology. Mm. So I'm curious from a tech perspective, how how might people use technology to get through this uh, time that, that we're in right now? And I don't know if that's that makes the most sense. I just thought of this question a few minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, no, it's a great, <laughs> but... it's a great question, especially for a, for a spontaneous one. I, I actually am, I'm pacing around my office, so I was away from my computer. Was that Annika or Maria? That was Annika. Okay, cool. That's what I thought. You, you, uh, you really nailed it there, Annika. That's, uh, so I think I have a, I, I won't say unique, but I think I have an interesting perspective on this. The company that I work for, um, I'm a technical consultant for an, an e-learning company called Degreed. And what my company does is, uh, which uh, shout out, I guess you can check it out at Degreed.com. It's uh, free for consumers. So like if you're a business, you pay for it. But if you're a person, it's totally free. 
cool thing that I like about Degreed. It's sort of like, and and you know, there are aspects of Degreed that are not like a like a new concept, right? Like this part I'm about to talk about is uh, there have been other sites that do this kind of stuff, but like. I don't know how many times in the last, you know, 30 years I've been using the internet where I've read something and then later I'm like, oh man, I should find that thing. And then I can't find it. Mm. Um, and so one of the things that Degree does, it helps specifically related to learning. It helps you keep track of the things that you've learned and specifically what kind of skills are associated with that. And so we've been just like, we've been busy as heck during all this. Like people, our usage of our platform has been like through the roof, which is, you know, not a bad problem to have. But one thing that it has made pretty evident to me is that I think a lot of people right now, we call it upskilling at, at my company, but a lot of people right now are spending time on upskilling. And everybody's kind of in a different place in their lives, right? Like if you're in a spot where you don't really have the bandwidth and you're just like getting through the day, I mean, honestly, don't beat yourself up over it. I think, you know, there are definitely plenty of people that are in that boat. But if you're finding yourself at this point, like I kind of am starting to go like stir crazy, right? Like I started taking mm -hmm. five mile walks at Lake Whatcom on the weekend. And I am like the least outdoorsy dude in the world. Like COVID, <laughs> COVID got me so locked down that it made me want to go walk around in the woods. You know, like if you're feeling like that and you're feeling like, man, I got this like nervous energy that I got to, I got to do something, get something checked off of your, of your to-do list that has maybe been there for a while. Like for me, it's uh, I've been saying for years that I want to learn uh, Python. It's a programming language. I'm not really a good programmer. It's not my thing. But I've been wanting to learn it because there, there's a book that uh, specifically deals with learning it to do, uh, to help like automate tasks at work. And there are a number of things that I can automate to make my life easier. And so during the last couple of months, I've been learning Python. Um, I've also been brushing up on my uh, uh, guitar playing because I want to start playing music again. So once start, things start to open back up, I want to go and like be there playing music when they do, you know, because I miss I miss doing that in my life. Find something that I, I think that hopefully we've been using this time for at least some degree of like self-reflection, introspection, uh, soul searching, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, find something that you've been saying for a while, like, oh, man, I should do this. I should do this. And do it. And, you know, I get that it's stressful right now and everybody's sort of on edge. But you may find that while it's it might not be as easy to get started as you expect, like that first walk at Whatcom Falls or not uh, Lake Whatcom, I, I didn't do five miles. I think I did four the first time and it was rough. Like I'm not again, I'm not a big outdoors guy. I'm a computer dude. I'm like a little, you know, a little chubby, like I probably should walk around more. And so it was a rough day for me. My legs hurt a lot. Now, though, I look forward to it. I, I can't wait to get up early on Sunday morning and drive to Lake Whatcom before most people have even gotten out of bed and like take a five mile walk. You may find that once you get over that initial hump of doing the thing, that you start to look forward to it and that it's actually a way for you to get out some of that energy. So pick a new skill, uh, you know, or, or pick a skill that you, you know, maybe want to brush up on or do something that you've been saying that you want to do for a while. And you can use technology to facilitate that. Use a platform like Degreed where you can pick skills or, or things that you're interested in and then it will suggest things to you. So you can maybe, if you have a problem with self-direction, you can maybe use something like that to 
get some direction in your life or use Google Calendar to schedule, say, I want to take a walk every week. That's what I did when I decided I wanted to take a walk. I literally set a calendar reminder for Sunday morning, get up and walk. That's the first thing I see on Sunday morning. So I don't know. It wasn't a big uh, heavy on the technology answer, but I think I think technology is best used as like a tool. You know, it's not yes. it shouldn't be the focus. It should be the, the way to get to whatever your focus is or to achieve what oh. your goal is. So, um, Dan, the last thing we want to talk about is our final segment and our favorite segment, which is local local treasures. In this segment, we do a roundtable sharing of something we ate, drank, or otherwise consumed recently that fills us with local pride. Uh, What's your pick? Dan, do you have anything that you had recently? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so can I can I name like a, uh, an alcoholic beverage from uh, absolutely from one place, and then maybe like some food from another? Is that do it? Okay, cool. Um, so I gotta again, you know, I know this is Bellingham, but like we're gonna we're gonna go out to the burbs. I gotta give out a, a shout <laughs> at uh, Fringe Brewing, uh, Fringe Brewery in Ferndale. They have a blood orange beer that was so good last year and i just saw on their facebook page that it's back and so you know they're open for for carry out right like they're not open for sit down yet but you can go in there and take it out that blood orange beer is oh it's so good i'm i'm honestly not even a fan of blood oranges like this i wouldn't eat one but the beer i i didn't even get it for myself my wife got it and i took a sip and then i was like yep give me one of those you know that mm-hmm. worth it um and then uh food wise i'm uh we'll, we'll go down to bellingham for this one uh juanita thai i just tried juanita thai oh, for the first time like so maybe uh two three weeks ago a week ago i don't know again time is all relative at this point um amazing and i say that we have a really good thai place here in ferndale even but that juanita thai wow uh definitely gonna yeah gonna be treating myself to that one again what about you guys Annika, why don't you go first i got an eggplant sandwich from brandywine kitchen and i mean i'm a sucker for eggplant uh mozzarella there's tomato in there there was aioli uh Mm. there was basil all that good stuff and then um of course there were fries i talk about fries all the time i love french fries they have very good french fries so go to brandywine kitchen get their great food and eat their fries and i believe um brandywine is actually one of our local black owned businesses for anybody that's looking to support i'm gonna go and i'm gonna say that my pick this week is the sliders from big stick barbecue i think they usually have their truck outside colchon too and uh, the slider i got it had pulled pork like a pepper jelly and brie on it and oh boy was it good i'm sad that i only got one of those because i probably could have eaten four so big stick barbecue (sighs) thanks for making a super good slider and with that we want to say thank you so much dan for joining us this was such a fun conversation we loved learning about all of the different things that you have uh, all the different hats you put on (laughs) really well, thank you both so much for having me. Yeah, and man, now I'm hungry. I have to go like eat dinner now. I'm sad that I'm on a diet and I can't go eat like a barbecue sandwich with brie and jam on it. <laughs> I'll save it for your cheat day. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. and Juanita Thai, so good. Indeed, yeah. I hope they're they're giving us uh, sponsorship money for this episode now, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> right. You know, right now we are advertising for free. 
it's a it's a work of passion and love. <laughs> I, I really appreciate you both not only doing this, but having me on. I don't really feel like I'm all that interesting, but yet here we are 50 minutes later and I feel like we had a good time. I don't know if you'll take recommendations, but I really, I, and I'll send you his info, but uh, RB that owns the coin shop, he's such an interesting guy. And he's and he grew up here, so I bet he I bet he has like just some of the most hilarious stories, and he's a really personable dude. So absolutely, um, send him our way. He sounds like an institution that many of our <laughs> listeners that like local things yes. would love to hear from. So I yeah. All right. So with that, we want to thank Jeff for doing our music, and uh, we're gonna leave you all with a big stay healthy, Bellingham. A little more subdued, Maria. Please stay healthy. give a thanks to Jeff Bigley for letting us use his music. A big thank you to Annika for doing the editing for this episode. Special thanks to our special guest. And thank you to all of our listeners. We love you so much. Spread the word. That's amazing.